Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, Playmakers, what's going on? Hello. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. It is an amazing day for an episode. And so we're excited to share our guest. But you know how we do it here. We're going to toss it on over to her and let her introduce herself. Howdy, everyone. Thank you all so much for having me. Um, My name is Lauren George, and I am here actually with Ashley and Brittany in Startville, Mississippi. My husband, Eric George, is the deputy athletic director here, and we have two girls, Annabelle and Harper Elizabeth, and I am so excited to be here. We're excited to have you. And you said Starkville like a true Southerner. Yeah, she it's did. Like Starkville. I'm like, I still can't get it. So <laughs> we, we learned fast. Learned yeah, fast. I know. <laughs> we love watching just your entire journey because this girl goes to every single sporting event you can even imagine. So you think that we just have football. No, she has every sport <laughs> that she shows up to. But Lauren, we'd like to backtrack and kind of talk about how you met your significant other and then give us give us the deets on how you first started dating and then how you ended up to where you are now. Sure. So yes, I definitely got into this before I had any idea where we were going to end up. So Eric and I started dating in high school. I guess we officially started dating when I was 15. I always like to joke that he could have had me a lot earlier because I technically (laughs) had the big crush on him. I think it was like week two into high school. We're from Texas. So we had the kickoff dance after the first football game every year. And he was leaned against a column in the cafeteria. (laughs) And it was girl freshman crush at first sight. He was older than me. It took him a little while to get his act together. And so we started dating about a year and a half later and uh, we're together ever since he's a year older. So he went to college and then I went to A&M, Texas A&M the year after. We're from College Station where Texas A&M is. And so yes, we have been together and (laughs) moving ever since then. That's a lot. Okay. So you guys met at a really young age and then you went to college together. After college, did he decide that he wanted to be in sports or what was that path like? Yes. So he was actually a public accountant first. So he played um, football for a little bit at A&M before an injury took him out of playing football or it was actually he had to have jaw surgery. And after he had jaw surgery, he is more the bionic man than his (laughs) actual face is the real man anymore. So getting hit was no longer an option. So after college, he went on to be a public accountant in Dallas. So that was our first stop for about two years and realized that he really liked people more than pushing numbers. So he went on to actually start his PhD at Florida State in sport finance um, because he thought he wanted to teach sport management for a little while. And that lasted about a semester, which he was going to finish his PhD, but actually got a job offer at the University of Texas. They had just hired a new CFO And that CFO asked if Eric would like to come with him to UT Austin. And so we decided to make that move. So we were in Tallahassee, Florida. We all know how that goes for a whopping (laughs) seven months. And so I think Eric was actually only there for five months. I stayed behind to sell our house that I really loved. And so he actually made the jump into college athletics for the first time at University of Texas in Austin. I think we were about 
three years into our marriage at that point after a short stopover at Florida State. Oh my goodness. I'm just thinking in my head when he comes in, he's like, okay, I have this idea. Like when I, I want to go into sports and he's like in accounting and then he's going into PhD. I mean, what was going through your mind when he was changing all these things? I mean, three years of marriage, it seems like a long time, but that's not really that much when you're going through all those transitions. Right. Literally, he was leaning against, leaning is apparently the Yeah, theme. he loves that. <laughs> he does like a good lean. I think it's because he's tall. The kitchen sink, he's like, I really don't think I like this accounting thing. How about I go back and be an orthopedic surgeon? I'm like, that is a lot of school. Yeah. Are we sure? He's like, I think I want to work in sports. How about orthopedic surgery? I'm like, if that's what you want to do, sounds great. <laughs> and a few days later, we're on a walk with our dog champ and we're talking about it. And I was like, we had a good friend whose dad um, in high school was a, a kinesiology professor who had actually just gone to University of Florida. So the Florida Gators. And I was like, well, why don't you call Dr. Dorman, talk to him about, you know, what your options could be going down that route, because Eric was actually a graduate assistant when he was doing his grad studies in accounting. I was like, you liked teaching, you're a great people person. Why don't you call Dr. Dorman and see what that could look like? I was like, that's a good idea. So let's do that. So he did call Dr. Dorman and there wasn't a spot available at University of Florida, but there was actually a need for someone with an interest in finance and accounting for sport finance at Florida State University. And so that's how we ended up in Tallahassee. Wow. So literally we went from the sink to on a walk <laughs> to moving to Tallahassee in all of the span of just like a couple of weeks to months. Oh my God. Oh my God. All involved. <laughs> that's crazy. And you're obviously super supportive of all of his, you know, wild whims and dreams and everything like that <laughs> when he's talking to you all about all these crazy things. But what were you doing at the time and what were your passions? And were you kind of just like, wherever you want to go, I'll go and I'll figure it out? Or what was your thought process? Yes. So when we went from College Station to Dallas, I was an undergrad. So he graduated with his master's when I graduated with my undergrad. And I went to grad school at the University of North Texas. So that was my first jump to Dallas. And then I was working as a full-time group fitness director in Dallas when we went to Tallahassee. I was very fortunate enough to get the group fitness coordinator job, which was like my dream job to get back in campus recreation at Florida State. And we leave Florida State pretty quickly there, to go back to Austin. But actually, it's very funny and very fitting. At our wedding, one of the Bible verses that was read um, was Ruth. And it said, where you go, I shall follow. And I was like, oh, how fitting that yeah. this, is, this is how it works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am always down for an adventure. And luckily, what I do is pretty transferable. I, I love to teach anywhere. So we just kind of figure it out as we go along. <laughs> Yeah. And with your kiddos, when did you have your children in between all of these stops? <laughs> when did that happen? Yeah. So Annabelle was born in Austin, Texas. So she was born while we were at UT Austin. And then Harper Elizabeth was born about two years into our stay in Clemson, South Carolina. Got okay. it. Have you had a conversation with them about like, we might move and you might make these friends? Because I know that they're friends with a lot of kids on this team. So what was that like when that first started happening and you guys were moving around? You kind of forget, or I guess I it snuck up on me really yeah. because they're eight and six. And so you think that they don't realize. And when we moved to Startville, we were literally 
interviewing here when the world shut down. So like on Saturday, I took the girls to breakfast. On Sunday, we could not go to breakfast. And we drove home to South Carolina with everything shut down. So then it made the transition here kind of interesting because the girls and I stayed back in South Carolina for two months again to sell the house. And Eric immediately came to Stoutville. So they hadn't seen anyone for two months when we left which I'm not sure if that made it easier or harder, but they didn't really have like an official goodbye per se. There wasn't a lot of conversations or they didn't say like goodbye to their school friends, have a last day of school where they were leaving kind of thing. So they didn't really realize exactly what was happening. But Harper Elizabeth did say the other day, someone else was moving non-athletic related. And she was like, mom, how much time do we have left here? Like in my next house, I think I'm going to paint my my room purple. It's like they do get it. She wasn't upset about it. But one of our staff left fairly recently, who was my oldest, like one of her best friends. And that's when it really hit me that like she fully realizes she was devastated for weeks. And Mm -hmm. it is it is hard. And we had conversations about, you know, how it is part of it and how we'll still see them. And we've already made plans to go see them. They're coming here. So I try to explain to them that it's hard, but then you also get to have friends from all over. And then with my job, and since I travel a lot for work and I do have friends from all over because I have a business partner in Seattle and a business partner in Phoenix. And when we go visit these places, we stay with my business partners. And so they see that. So I try to reference that as similar to what happens in athletics. And I'm like, so like I go and stay with your aunt, Trisha, you can go and stay with Caroline when we go yeah. to California and you'll forever get to see them and have friends, you know, all over the country. So I, I mean, we do the best that we can ex- explaining it, but it is, yeah. you know, a different life and one of the factors that we all have to deal with. Yeah, I think it's interesting too, because I feel like when I was growing up and people would move, you would they would move and you would never see them again. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> it was like, yeah. who knows where that person went from my third grade class that moved yeah, definitely. the country, right? But it's so different now with social media and FaceTime and all of those things. And I feel like people are constantly traveling like you just mentioned. So it probably makes it a little bit easier that they do have access to their friends still, even if they do move away. Right. Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And with Eric's role, it's very unique. I want to kind of dive into that because you're our first interview for this type of role. And so can you explain what his role is and then what a a day in the life or like a week looks like for him? Sure. So his official title is deputy athletic director slash CFO. So he came up through the business office side, obviously being an accountant. So he was originally over just the business office. And now he's over business office, game day operations, facilities, HR, and then he is the oversight for football or yes. Yeah. The oversight for football. So that's why we're with you guys all the time (laughs) because he's administrative oversight for football. And then he's on senior staff, I guess is what they call it. All the titles. Right. So for him, a day in the life is a lot of different things. A lot of the sports, you know, game day operations for all sports roll up to him facilities for all sports roll up to him new building projects for all sports roll up to him. And then HR, of course, hiring of any one new in the athletic department and then all things, you know, football at some level, you know, rolled up to that. So he definitely gets to see a little bit of everything, which is what he loves. He likes to 
get to help anywhere that he can to make the different things happen. So a day in the life of him, if you look at his calendar, is like a meeting every back-to-back -back hour. <laughs> um, not a lot of sitting at his desk and going from one place to the next, trying to make whatever project is is going on for that sport happen, whether that's, you know, buying a golf cart or a new recruiting rule or, you know, traveling or things like that. So lots of different aspects of his of his job. He's like everything but the mascot. Yeah. Literally is like everything but <laughs> Yeah. He just, knows everything that's going everything, on. Everything. Everything. We usually interview people that are specific to one sport. So of course you guys have a lot of ties with different sports. So does that put pressure on like you the significant other having to kind of play the role of another significant other within those different sports. There's a lot of pressure of having to be at all these things and having to show face and having to, you know, be present. Do you ever feel that stress? Yes. I mean, I do feel very lucky that like I do, I do genuinely love sports. I always joke that like I went to school for Eric's job because both <laughs> of my degrees are actually in sport management. So my undergrad and my master's degree, and I'm the oldest of five and my dad really wanted boys. And he didn't get one until kid four and five. So until then, like I was it. So I, I feel like I was made for this, but it is, it was a little bit, I don't want to say stressful, but there are, I mean, there are a lot of sports and yeah. you do want to feel like you are equally supporting all of them. And Eric wants to equally support all right. of them with facilities and game day operations. He needs to be there at all of them. So it can be a little overwhelming sometimes. I mean, I think our, our, our record maybe seven or eight sporting events in one day. So oh that my can gosh. <laughs> that you're gonna say in a week. Yeah. <laughs> nope, in a day. The spring can get a little wild sometimes. But I mean you do you do the best you can. Yeah. You manage the logistics and but I mean it can be crazy, yes. Just to be honest, yeah. it can be crazy. But I do genuinely enjoy them. I think it would be very hard to be a present spouse for what Eric does if you didn't really love sports. And does he go to all of the away games as well or mostly just home games? Mostly just home games, except for football. He does travel for all away yeah. games for football and then most postseason events for a lot of the other sports. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, not all away games for all sports. I was going to say, because I saw him at obviously all the away games for football, and I was like, oh my right. gosh, if you had to do that for every sport, you oh, would no, never no, have no. a second to yes. breathe. <laughs> so every sport has someone in administration that travels with them. So yes, so Eric's for football, but then postseason, it just depends. Right. Yeah, I remember this past spring, I ran into you and your two little ones. And I remember y'all were on your like fourth game, you had gone from like softball to baseball to football. I don't even know in what order. But your girls love it. From what I can see, they just get so excited. They know players names like with the different sports. So I think yes. it's so cool. I mean, even if it is exhausting, which I'm sure it is. But I, I think that's so neat because they probably are like little sponges and we'll remember all those things from growing up. But I want to talk about your career because you are all things fitness and entrepreneur and a leader with all those things. So give us the rundown of your business and how it started and where you are today. Sure. So I do a couple of different things. I started teaching group fitness whenever I was in undergrad at Texas A&M. I've worn a lot of different hats in the fitness industry over the years, kind of which each move you've kind of, I've kind of evolved, which is a blessing. Really, honestly, I do think Eric's job has helped my career. Otherwise, I probably would have just stayed in campus recreation forever. And I do love campus rec, but it wouldn't have maybe stretched me ha like I have been stretched since mm -hmm. I have had to 
reinvent myself with every move. So currently I'm still adjunct faculty with Clemson University where we were before we came to Startville. So I teach nonprofit leadership for them online. I own a company called Lauren George Fitness. So I own a virtual fitness studio, which has an app. And I just started teaching fitness classes here in Startville. I'm the co-creator of a fitness education brand called Bar Above. So we certify bar instructors all over the US, Canada, the Philippines, Australia, a couple of other countries. We just rolled out a new program called Pumped Up Strength last year, which is also a certification program. I present at conferences all over the US and Canada and a couple of other countries as well. I also own a consulting company called the Fit Biz Club based out of Phoenix, Arizona, where we do in-person fitness business retreats, put on workshops for fitness entrepreneurs, and we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one brand consulting, mainly marketing and business coaching. And then I feel like I'm forgetting something, but those are my forgetting main Forgetting something, oh my God. <laughs> That's so impressive. So how did you start, how did you decide that like you wanted to start your own business? Cause I feel like for that, you know, being in a podcast world, we've talked about this many times, but I feel like a lot of people have that dream. Like I wanna start a business and then you get into it and you're like, holy cow, there's so much to starting a business. So how did that dream come about? And like, what were your first steps in creating your own fitness business? Sure. So my first business that I started was actually when we were living in Austin and it was a company called Pulse Point Bar. It was my first bar certification. And I always say anytime I'm teaching an entrepreneurial workshop or working with a client that is much easier to fill a need than to make a need or to create a need when you're opening a business. So Pulse Point Bar was born when I had just gotten out of campus recreation, when I was at Florida State, Bar was really just starting to boom. But at that point, Bar was really still in the franchises. And so when I wanted to bring a Bar certification to my students at Florida State, there really weren't any options except for a couple of certifications out of California that were like seven, $800, which was obviously not really feasible for college students. So when we moved to Austin, I started to work in-house with the Pilates studio that I was teaching at at the time to develop some education for them. And then a lot of my campus recreation contacts started to reach out to me asking if I could train their staff. I actually had a studio in Virginia who I'm still very, very close with. I've gone back a few times to her studio to train her staff, ask if I would come out and train her whole staff before they opened. And so I started to do that and there was enough people that had asked me, I was like, well, I guess I should like make this a thing and become official, give it a name. So I did and went through the whole credentialing process that you go through um, with fitness certifications and Pulse Point Bar was born and we grew to about seven master trainers were on the fitness conference circuit presenting all over the United States and then Bar Above, which is a really big company out of California, approached me about potentially buying Pulse Point Bar and merging our two companies, helping to rewrite some of their educational programming and then coming on board with Trisha Murphy Madden and Leslie Bender as one of the co-creators of Bar Above, which is where we are now with a team of, I think we have about 70 master trainers now. So that was my first business. And then in Clemson, South Carolina, I started a brick and mortar fitness studio. So we opened up a studio there, which we sold before we moved to Startville, but it is still fully operational. And the individual who purchased it from us, who was an instructor for me when we lived there is doing a fabulous job and it's still rocking right along. That's awesome. 
Yeah, that's incredible. I'm just thinking of your weekly schedule because if y'all do not follow her on social media, we'll definitely tag it. But you were doing choreography like 24-7 and I feel like you are always posting new, new classes, yeah. like new things. I'm like, she must work out eight hours a day. I have no idea if she does this, <laughs> but you are Wonder Woman. So what does a week look like? Are you in meetings with the other trainers and then you're creating choreography? How does that work? Yeah, so I mean, every week is a little bit different. And I'm sure for you all, it is the same. So actually this past weekend, I was in Nashville at a fitness conference, which was really fun. It was the first Music City FitCon. So I was teaching other instructors how to teach. So in any given week, I may go somewhere to teach a certification, teach virtually both bar above and pumped up strength have online live streaming certifications that are either four or eight hours i also put out choreography every month that the other bar above and pumped up strength instructors teach i film for my virtual studio both on demand and then sometimes live streaming classes so that does involve some filming of choreography. I meet one-on-one -on -one with clients and then we just wrapped up 30-day Instagram course. So once a week we met via Zoom and taught a hour and 15 minute class about Instagram with other fitness entrepreneurs. And then of course, yes, meeting with master trainers, Zooming with my Clemson students. I was doing that right before this actually. Oh my gosh. Answering their questions and talking about their projects and then lots of writing of educational materials and creating social media posts, which we all know takes way more time than we would actually <laughs> like it to be. Like, why does this take up so much time? Yeah. Writing emails for email marketing also takes way more time than we ever think it should. And then running the girls around. So my other part-time job is a chauffeur <laughs> between activities. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't even know how you have time to breathe, but how do you make time for yourself or is working out for you? Because I know for me personally, like working out for me is like my time for myself. Like, is that the same for you, even though it is your business or do you have something else that you do on the side? No, a hundred percent. I still do my own personal workout okay. every day. Yes, definitely. Wow. Most of the time before the girls get up and go to school, I do an unfilmed yeah. nobody watching workout <laughs> by myself. With no makeup on. <laughs> I know. I was going to ask you, like, because you have to put on makeup. Well, I mean, I guess you don't have to. Yeah. But well, I feel yeah. like you when have. you're, when you're filming, to. you have to yes. usually put on makeup. Yes. And then, of course, like that adds an extra layer of you can't just work out and film it. You have to, like, look presentable. Yes. And sound check eight yeah. times. Yeah. Well, that's incredible, too. <laughs> I think it's neat, though, that the, your girls get to watch just a healthy lifestyle, what it looks like, like how you're inspiring other women. And so do they get into the choreography as well? Like, do they want to help mom ever? I know that they're in school, but when you're filming, like during the times they're home, do they want to participate? Oh, yes, definitely. Annabelle, my oldest, the eight-year-old, think she is a professional fitness instructor. She also can operate a camera extremely well. So it goes my office because they finished out above our garage. So my office is connected to where I film, which is connected to their playroom. You kind of have to walk through their playroom. So if I'm filming and they're in their playroom, they can actually see the back of my camera and she will like gesture to me or tell me things or or what have you but i've walked in on her on multiple occasions with like the full filming setup and 
lights off teaching a class. She has her favorite instructors that she'll introduce herself as <laughs> when she's teaching the full shebang. One time when she was, oh my goodness, she was probably only five or six. I heard her cue. Remember, you never have to burpee. If you don't want to burpee, just <laughs> doing your squats as a fitness instructor. I'm like, she's even offering options. I'm so proud. You never that. have to burpee. That's correct. So oh she does. my gosh. She does. Harper Elizabeth is just really here for the outfits and the music. She's not going to burpee. Harper yeah. is not here for the burpee. Like, I will take the option. Yes. And if the option is goldfish, I am here for the goldfish. Like, I will cheer you on. I got your back, but that's You're so looking funny. good, sis. Looking good. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I swear kids, like they pick up things so quickly and the, I'm just so curious when these kids become like, you know, all of our ages, what they're going to be doing because the skills that they pick up at such a young age is just wild. Yeah. You know, camera skills and, you know, all the different things with social media and technology is wild. So it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing once they, you know, find their own careers. It is so, it is so, so true. And Harper Elizabeth's on the same line of what they notice and what we don't think that they notice. The other day she said, mom, you know, from the stands, the boys, they look so big. But then when you're talking to them, they're just kids like me. And she was talking about the football players. I'm like, you're right. They're totally just kids. That's so awesome. They just do pick up on all those things. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, with choreography, I know that that's a lot of, I'm assuming a lot of time and energy and effort and things like that. And like we mentioned before, you do a lot of different things. We've watched a lot of your Instagram workouts and things like that. So how do you come up with some of these things? Is it just talking to other trainers? Do you just try different things out and decide, oh, I might put that into you know, another workout or how do you come up with your different choreography? Definitely some of it comes from inspiration from other trainers. I love continuing education, always learning new things, always taking other instructors classes. I also just really will go into my studio, turn the music on, lay out the props that I want to use in a class and just start moving. I'm a big fan of combination movement patterns. And a lot of times I think that's where my creativity comes from because you want to keep Choreography or exercise is simple enough that they are effective. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of times I will layer exercises together versus doing something that's crazy hard for people to complete with good form. But could, you know, we do a lunge into something else that people can complete with good form, but it's more interesting if you put them together. So just playing with different movement patterns and swapping in and out different props and music, of course, is always makes things more fun. So could you play with that? So I do like to play with movements. I'll literally just lay out all my options in my studio and start moving and see what I come up with. Yeah, bar is so hard. I literally, (laughs) I just, I know that you teach a ton of other things, but I was just thinking of bar. And uh, for those that don't know what that is, like what the class is, can you just kind of give like a quick summary of what that focuses on? Because I could not walk the next day (laughs) after I took a bar class. Sure. So bar is a combination of 
Pilates-based movement principles and strength training and ballet-based movement. So the common misconception about bar is that it looks like ballet, but Lottie Burke, who invented bar, was actually a modern dancer, not even a ballerina, and she invented what we think of now today as bar when she was injured, and she created it to rehab herself back from her injury so she could go back to dancing. So it was never created to be a dance fitness class like we think of as Zumba. It was a rehabilitation program so she could go back to dancing. So it was to work the muscles that dancers use, but she actually worked with, I doubt they called them a physical therapist at the time, but whatever, you know, that person that was like a physical therapist or the strength coach for the ballet in Germany at the time, that person and her worked together to get her to where she was strong enough to go back to dancing professionally. And then when the war was over and she moved to London, she opened up her own studio based on the method that she used to rehab herself. So there's no twirling across the floor or tutus. I was a cheerleader, not a professional ballerina. So it is a very strength oriented class, but there are definitely, you know, nods to ballet, a lot of nods to Pilates. So a lot of core focused work. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know But that. it is challenging. I know. I had no idea. <laughs> And so did you do all of these workouts through your pregnancy as well? Are a lot of them like pregnancy safe? Do you like have a lot of different courses for people that are pregnant or maybe postpartum as well? I know the core strengthening is important. Yes. So (laughs) bar is, I think, personally, one of the best pre and postnatal workouts because you do focus so much on your core in the standing portion of bar. So even when you get to the parts of your pregnancy where you no longer maybe feel comfortable lying on your back or you shouldn't lie on your back, you're still doing so much bracing is what we call it in the standing portion of bar. And there's so much focus on holding neutral pelvis which protects your lower back and makes Mm -hmm. your core strength and your pelvic floor stronger at the bar, that you are really getting a core workout the entire time that you're doing a bar workout, whether you go down to the floor portion or not, it is really a good pre and postnatal workout. And we could go into the whole fact that you're working on hip stability and external rotation and all of that jazz, which is also really, really important pre and postnatal. So it is definitely a great option and it's low impact. So during your pregnancy, and then after when you have a ton of relaxant in your hips jumping is probably not the best depending on how your body handles it so it's a great option for that as well it's a good low impact option to help keep you strong since we tend to lose muscle mass during pregnancy and then to help rebuild your muscle mass after wow i'm speechless that's awesome (laughs) no that's awesome i we really appreciate you sharing all this insight because i'm sure that somebody including myself has learned so much today and i had a question come to mind when you're speaking you are so rooted in who you are you're very confident in the best way and so have you always been like that or do you feel like over time you gained more confidence with not only the way that you are a leader as well as being a significant other in the sports industry so how have you kind of changed over time to be who you are today? I think that's a great question. And I actually speak on that as far as fitness goes a lot. And I think it does carry over into the sports world. And I can't say that I feel as confident on it on that side. But as far as the fitness goes, I think when you become an instructor, you put on the microphone and it's really a very scary thing, right? You're at the front of the room, you're leading a bunch of people. You're like, do I really know what I'm talking about in the beginning? And you have people that love a certain instructor, maybe you're subbing a class and anywho, for a long time you think, oh my goodness, I need a sub like 
your favorite instructor when you became an instructor or what if this person doesn't like me or so and I will 100% admit and we know each other in real life like I'm a fairly loud person and I'm outgoing and I smile a lot and I could be too whatever for someone and we are always going to be too something for someone, right? Um, whether we're too sarcastic or we're too happy or we smile too much. I get annihilated on Instagram for that all the time, <laughs> all the time. Like, how could she possibly smile while doing that exercise? Something has to be wrong with her. That's people's favorite DM for me, by the way. <laughs> we're always gonna be too something for someone, but we are just right for someone else, right? Especially when it comes to fitness. That's why we need so many fitness instructors and so many different fitness modalities because it's going to speak to someone else. Like, while you may love running and you may love strength training and I may love Pilates, one of us doesn't like the other one. And that's, you know, the beauty of it. So we can all find our way. And I think a few years ago, when I really was able to fully embrace the fact that it is okay if someone doesn't want to come to my class, is okay if at a conference someone doesn't want to come to my session, everything else just became so much easier and you can actually have more fun when you're teaching which in turns help the people that does want to be in your class they end up having way more fun so it's just a better experience overall but i mean i was probably eight years into my career maybe 10 before it was really before i was really able to fully embrace that and then on the flip side you know with athletics you all know there there are ex expectations yeah. and Little, little bit, lot of pressure in certain <laughs> situations and always new people that you're around. And while I do feel like we all try to present our, our most authentic self all the time, we are in a supporting role a mm -hmm. lot of the times and want to be the best that we can for our significant others. So sometimes we do have to back up a little bit and be the supporting role, which is just fine. Yeah. But it is a little bit of a different road to navigate when you are one person over here and a totally different person over here, you know, mm -hmm. but we figure it out and it, it is all good. And we love our significant others. So we do figure <laughs> it out. That's a wonderful answer. I think that's so interesting, like in the teaching perspective, but also in the significant other role, because you are not going to be for everybody and that's okay. And the people that right. you do connect with it, that's an important part. And you need to just continue on with those relationships so I love that so we asked this question at the end of every interview if you could go back in time and tell your younger self something that you know now what would you say I think I would tell myself and I really think this could apply to maybe anyone whose life is different than what they expected or maybe even than what their family expected but I think in the world of athletics how we live, how we have to be okay with moving, how our schedules are so different. Our life is going to always look so incredibly different than maybe what our best friend's life looks like or what our parents expect our lives to look like. And we are a lot of times okay with that. And so just being okay with the fact that outsiders are never going to understand that. I think we are, I don't know how many, 10 years into working in athletics and my mom is still like, so when are you coming home for Christmas? And I'm like, we're still going to be at a bowl game. And if we're ever not at a bowl game, it's going to be a problem, mom. Like still at a bowl game. We're still playing football on Thanksgiving. And if we're not, it's a problem, right? So just that they don't understand and that it's okay that they don't understand. But if we ever fall into the situation where we are comparing our lives to the outsiders. We have to remember that there are so many beautiful parts of our lives that, you know, they don't get to experience. Mm -hmm. And while there are some parts of their lives that we don't experience, like 
husbands that are at home ever at 5 p.m. You know, it's just different and different is okay, but it's just going to be very different. Mm -hmm. No, that's a wonderful answer. And we appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us. And if anybody wants to find you, connect with you, watch some of your amazing workout videos, where can they find you on Instagram? Pretty easy to find, just Lauren George Fitness. Love it. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and thank you to everyone that's listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season Podcast or on TikTok at More Than a Season for the latest updates. If you have enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, and leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.